Pastor Michael, are you ready for Mark Driscoll Watch? Friends, we are here tonight because for the first time in a decade, I have listened to the entirety of an hour and 11 11 minute Mark Driscoll sermon. And I did it too. I told, I, I sent Matt a message um, half an hour before we started this, a little more than half an hour now. I realized that I had not listened to the sermon that we were going to be discussing. And I was like, oh no. Thankfully, there is this thing where you can speed it up by two. And I did that. And I actually got through the whole thing, listened and watched the whole thing, listened to and watched the whole thing. Um, and I came with notes, Matt. I came with notes. Um, so I have I watched it and I picked some clips that we will be doing. Um, so, Pastor Michael, before we get to that, and then we'll get to how I don't choose the Driscoll life. The Driscoll life chooses me. Um Pastor Michael, everyone needs to mark their calendars for Monday, Monday, October 30th, Reformation Day Eve, because we are doing a Reformation Day inter-Catholic, trad-Catholic reaction TikTok hour and a half bonanza. I don't think anyone wants to miss that at 8 p.m. <laughs> we would have done it on Reformation Day, Tuesday night, but Pastor Michael celebrates privately, just so everyone <laughs> we had to we had to do it on Reformation Day. Um it's a special it's a solemn day uh, of rest. Uh we we remove all technology from our home that day. And yes. Uh, no, I wanted to leave it open because it's possible that we might have folks over. I don't know. Um, I keep telling people, hey, let's do a Reformation Day party. My wife and I keep talking about it, and then we have so much to do that we just keep putting off planning it, and now it's a week away. <laughs> so I don't know if we will, but hopefully we will. So Pastor Michael may or may not have a Reformation Day party, which you may or may not be invited to on Tuesday night. But on Monday night, starting at 8 p.m. Central, there will be a party. That's right. Where we will be engaging with those brethren we are divided from the trad cats on TikTok, <laughs> <laughs> and we want you to join us because i expect by the end of that hour and a half like gavin ortland i will have you know the roman catholics will have a strange new respect for us as we watch by the way these 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 reels are wild and you so, gotta see them oh they're you will have a you will have a joyful time even if you normally listen to this on audio you may want to watch our faces as we react in real time. Um, I mean, we'll just say the the topics vary from a, I mean, we have way more than we can do, like impossibly more. I mean, I, but I listened to a guy as I was trying to pick some for us to do. I listened to a guy today, blame every single evil. And he said, every literal, literally, and he like emphasize it. And I mean, literally every evil since the Protestant reformation is the fault of Protestantism. Every single one um i had there was a guy in halloween makeup talking about how we need to uh own the protestants by going hard on halloween it was just it um obviously lots of things on mary i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time it's gonna be educational and we're gonna we're gonna have an ecumenical dialogue so tell your friends 
And also that night we will be announcing two winners of our book, the book, not our book on reformed worship. We'll be giving one away to a new patron. So if you are not a patron right now, you can sign up and probably only two or three people are going to sign up. Yeah, I believe we've had one new patron since we uh, put this out there. So if you hear this, you better get on there and you have a pretty high chance. If you hear this before October 30th at 8 p.m., you have a chance. And also one of our longstanding patrons will also be getting a copy of the book because we love you. Thank you for the show. And with all of that marking of your calendars. So I'm having a good time with you. We can now get back to this. Pastor Michael, we will be reacting to Mark Driscoll's sermon titled, Is Jesus Coming Back Soon? Now, um, Pastor Michael, uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll knew this was going to be huge because he released a sermon trailer that got nearly 2 million views the week before he preached this sermon, I believe a week and a half ago now. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Wild. Um, Yep. Um, he's back, everybody. Oh. He's back, and we knew it. I mean, we, I mean, we started the show not knowing it, uh, and uh, we have we have followed it right up. But uh, but yeah, it's gotten. I think it was at three hundred fifty-two thousand views on YouTube uh, when I watched earlier today, and I'm sure on all the other platforms and podcasts and whatever else um, people can listen. I'm sure that it it got quite a bit more than just that too. So um, it's getting around. He's very back. Um, he is. Yeah, I, it's going to be uh, interesting um, because the reason I, I was debating on if we would react to this sermon or if we would just maybe like listen to his sermon uh, preview. And then my wife in real life in more than one setting was asked about her opinion about it. There's one clip of it that has went viral. Uh, so even beyond that, uh, millions of clips, and I've had I have had people in my life talk to to me about it. Now, again, when people talk to me about it, that's not as interesting because since most people know I do this show, people go, "Oh, you know, if there's a Driscoll thing, I'll bring." Yeah, it. have you seen this thing that's going around from Driscoll? Right. But my wife being asked in, by people just sincerely, like, "I'm just wondering what you think about yeah these things." So. Uh, I also think uh, Driscoll is claims to be pretty emotional at the beginning of this. Um, I actually think he's probably truly is because he realizes this is the moment to be back, right? He's like back. He's, he's got the world and this is his chance. This is his like, this is his sermon to preach, to be back. This is his men in marriage shot again. Yeah. I mean, so this was watching this, by the way, I was like, this reminds me of old Driscoll. Um, so patrons will know, um, and we've released maybe some of this out into the, the greater inner webs, but um, there we watched a lot of sermon clips from Driscoll over the last couple of years. And yep. most of it is incredibly staged. It is, it is meant to go viral and it falls short because of that. Um, it like, it feels really canned and, and fake. It does not have the sense of like what you got from Driscoll back in his heyday, um, where this is a man on stage ranting about something that he spent a little bit of time thinking about, you know? Um, and there was some magic in that. I'm not saying it's ideal for preaching, 
but it like it drew a lot of us in because he is a compelling guy when he gets onto some of those things. Um, this had that same feel. This and honestly, I I thought this had that feel the whole way through. And this is the first time we've seen that. Like even in the clips, he might break out once in a while, and that might come out. But then all of a sudden, it's back to the what we've been calling Boomer Driscoll, <laughs> uh, like Boomer Driscoll that you know uh, retired to Arizona. Like that's how it had, most of it has felt. Yep. This was different. This actually, to me, was like this reminded me of the good old days um, when Driscoll was a good guy and on our team. And I think he knows this is his moment because there are two big reasons. One, on a broad evangelical level, Christians are very disoriented by this war. One, because of the true just tragedy and horrendous yeah. nature. Yeah, everybody's confused about this, right? So that's not just an evangelical thing. This is like culturally speaking in the West, there's a lot of just confusion or, you know, um, strong feelings about uh, what's going on with all of this. Two, of course, with the um, dispensational nature of just generic American evangelicalism, he knows there's end times questions that always come along with this. Yep. So there's fear, there's disorientation, there's doctrinal questions. And I don't know why, uh, but he knows most pastors aren't going to touch this. Um, and so he can, he can, he can make his entrance here. So pastor Michael, here's my first question. So this, I'm not, I'm not so cynical about him on this one, by the way. I, I think he believes it. I mean, I think he's in it. I, I don't even know that a lot of it's a ploy. Um, I think that like, even when he gets emotional, I think a lot of it. So like he's in it. So I want you to hear, cause you watch the video. The podcast has a different intro. I wonder if the intro to the podcast may have changed how I felt about how, um, I don't know what to say, how sincere to take things. But let's let me play this. I hope the, the Google podcast is the same one iTunes does, but we'll find out. Um. Well, hey, podcast pals, it's uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll here saying thank you for tuning in. I've had the honor of teaching the Bible for around 30 years. Happy to report I got my cancel card about a decade ago. Nice to get that out of the way. And now I'm back in uh, zombie mode, man. You can't kill me. And if you would do me a solid, I could really use your help. So Pastor Michael, Mark Driscoll, the canceled king, just <laughs> is back and you can't kill him. Yeah, that's what happened a decade ago was you were canceled. <laughs> no, you fled from your church when you blew it up. Like that's that's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh. All right. You made me more cynical again. I want to believe, Matt. I want to believe that actually, despite his flaws, Driscoll's on our team. I want that to be true. Uh, but I, yeah, I guess you're probably- Number one, right. rate this podcast. Everybody gives me one in five star reviews. I need you to give me a five star. In addition, uh, review the podcast. Tell them it's good. It's helpful. It's fun. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's down the fairway. It's all about Jesus and uh, share it. Uh, let your friends know. Let your family know. And if you want to trigger your enemies, let them know too. I've been triggering. Hashtag triggered. <laughs> By the way, when, I, when I'm cynical, no, I, I too believe he legitimately believes the things he's saying. Um, 
some of the things he has said, I've listened to him say on Islam and the Arab world for a long time. Um, I just think he has somewhat cynical motives for saying it. Like, I think this is the person that Paul says, I guess I can rejoice that the gospel is being preached. Even yeah. Uh, I'm not stoked on anything else. All right. It's being done out of selfish ambition, but uh, we're just grateful that Jesus is preached. Yep. So hashtag triggered. Wolf joke, folks, since the mid 90s and glad to keep up the fight. This one's. All right. We will listen to the very beginning of this on the audio because I don't have the timestamps. We'll switch to the video after this. Um, Not that if you're listening to this, you care, but. Um, so pastor Michael, yeah, that intro made my jaw hit the floor. Got my cancel card 10 years ago. I've been Man. triggering the woke folks since the 1990s. <laughs> uh, it is sad that like, because, um, because that is like, that is ascendant, right. To be the non woke, like, I'm just telling it how it is kind of guy, um, uh, because that's ascendant right now, because he's merging into the, the political arena, um, he will get a lot of folks that just jump in um, and love it. And they will just say, yeah, I mean, they don't know anything about what happened before. Uh, and so they'll just be like, yeah, he probably like a lot of people said a lot of mean things about him and tried to kick him out of his old church. That's what happened. And it was Christianity Today leading the charge. And every article I see from them, I don't trust. So, right. Um, yeah. No, I think so. I think so. So let's listen to the beginning of this thing. Um It's going to be different. Um, I've been preaching for 30 years, and uh, I've never had a week uh, of preparation quite like this one. Uh, my wife drove me here because I'm a bit disoriented, and uh, God's been revealing things to me in a deep and profound way um, all week, uh, a constant flow of new revelation, things I've never um, put together or considered or really read anywhere, uh, including just moments ago. I got another scripture from Joel that I'll share with you in the sermon. And there'll probably be a lot of um, prophetic revelation during the course of the sermon. Um, and so uh, we're going to pray in a moment. And I believe this may be the most significant and timely sermon I've preached. Sometimes I teach, sometimes I preach. Today, I, by the grace of God, will prophesy. And I'm not a prophet, nor a son of a prophet, um, but I'm here to review this. So, Pastor Michael, um, this is a this is a very Driscoll way to introduce something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Set the tone. Tell everybody this is. Uh, and and you know, uh, I just want all of our listeners right now. This sermon is 110 minutes long. I want you to write an like uh just give me the minute mark where you think he reads his sermon text. I just want everyone to take a moment and think about that. (laughs) Hour and 10 minutes long. And because I'm asking, you know, it's not in the, you know, that's not the first thing he's going to do, but just give yourself, when do you think he reads his sermon text? So pastor Michael, you've heard the whole sermon. Driscoll is like, this is going to be revelation. This is going to be prophecy, right? Today, by God's grace, I will prophesy. Based on your listening to the sermon, what do you think he means by that? Because I think the language is meant to attract charismatics, which we Mm. know is part of his new uh, coalition whenever he forms whatever that new organization is going to be called. Um, 
but I, but again, he, he's not again. And there are, there are people who legitimately have, you know, in the last weeks been like claiming direct divine revelation. Yeah. Not shocking. Right. Not shocking at all. Same thing happened by the way, every other time these kinds of issues have popped up with Israel and Palestine. Uh, You can go back. You will always find people doing the same thing. Greg Laurie's been pumping out a video every single day about wow. <laughs> about something and bringing in some text. But when Driscoll uses that word, what is he what is he talking about? I don't even think I don't know if I have a clear idea. To be fair, yeah. So I think I do. Um, so most of it is not you know the typical charismatic revelation prophecy. Here's what's going to happen next, or something like that. Actually, Driscoll many times says. Is this, is Jesus coming back soon? Like, is this the end? I don't know. He said, like he, I mean, he makes very um, specific ideas about what the text of scripture uh, says is going to happen in the end times. And he says, hey, if this happens next and then this and then this, maybe we're at World War III, the end of the world, et cetera. Um, So like he says those things, but then he says, now, is that where we're at right now? I don't know. And so he doesn't give the kind of prophetic revelations of the future like we'd expect. The thing that I think he is referring to as the prophetic side of this is this idea that he is revealing that Hamas is a demon. That there is a demonic spirit called Hamas that has been at work since the days of Noah, and that's the same demonic entity driving what's happening right now um, from the group Hamas. And no surprise, everyone, when I said there's this clip that has went viral, that is the clip. And That's so the we'll clip. definitely react to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I yeah, think we'll get into it. <laughs> that Yes, I think that is likely. I think what we might call it is and this has been kind of the way Driscoll has always done this. We might call it prophetic insight. Like he's able like there's like some- I'm putting things together that no one else can. That- and that is God revealing things through me yes yeah um yes and talk about uh the times in which we live in light of the word of god and uh, and if i uh if i can make it through that'd be great for those who may see this on video at a service i was hoping to preach all four i don't think emotionally i can do this four times but i'm going to try um two things and then we'll pray Um, We're going to talk about uh, the second coming of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, the kingdom of God, the last days and the end times. And some of you are going to have a lot of questions. So let me give you a a free gift if you want it. Um, It's a chapter from a systematic theology that I co-authored called Doctrine. We'll send it to you on the kingdom of God. It'll answer your questions about what does it mean that Jesus is returning? And is there a heaven? And is there a hell? And is there a resurrection? And a lot of questions get answered. Number three, and then I will pray. Uh, if you're a man, I'd invite you to join us for Real Men this week. We've got uh, some special guests, one of which is uh, Chad Wolf. He was the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security during the Trump administra- administration. He will be joining us. And as we're looking at open borders in Ukraine and Israel, I want to interview him about our open border and uh, what that means for us as a nation and as a state. And so now, Pastor Michael. You know, Pastor Michael, ready for Pastor Mark's totally sincere thing. How I always start a really sincere sermon is by telling people how online to get a freebie giveaway to promote a book I wrote and then to promote upcoming content 
with an interview on the border. <laughs> You're just ruining it, man. I know I am. You're just ruining it. You're you're too cynical, man. Just believe. Love hopes all things, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. It uh <laughs> you can hope all things, but these were the things that I heard and I went, oh yeah. <laughs> and truly, because I do think after this point, it is innocent old drill. But it was like these things are the calculating part. Yeah. Also, why I don't know that I believe, dude, this dude makes 500 grand a year easy. I'm no doubt that that's like the floor of what he's probably making at this church. You can preach four times in a week, my man. Like, you can, <laughs> you can work 12 hours on Sunday for 500 grand. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he probably went to a nice dinner um, after after this. So, um, so Pastor Michael, let me um, let me go to something here. Do you have any comments on the beginning of this? I'm going to get the video pulled up, and we'll watch from from that from now on. Uh, no, no, we uh, we covered the prophetic nature of what he was going to do. Uh, but I, yeah, I have notes. But let's move forward. Okay, so. Again, and if there's a part I don't play, again, I just had to pick clips that we were going to do. So if there's something you want to talk about that for some reason I don't have the clip of, just just bring it whenever it's going to be the most appropriate. So this is something that he's done before and obviously is incredibly important given that this sermon topic, um, at least for the first 40 minutes, deals with Israel and Hamas. Um, he gives about a two and a half minute history of Israel, Islam, and and things. So we'll we'll take a listen to this. Two thousand years later, a man named Muhammad was visited by a demon. He said he received a revelation from an angel. It was a demon. Um, Galatians tells us that even if an angel from heaven should appear, if they present a gospel other than the one that is presented by the apostle Paul, then they are to be accursed, that that is a demonic counterfeit spirit. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Ahmed is visited by a demon. He calls it an angel, but it's a fallen angel and it's a demon. And the angel demon says that he needs to begin prophesying and present to the world a new religion. The essence of Islam that comes from Muhammad is that the Hebrew scriptures are wrong, that God chose Hagar, not Sarah, and the son of promise for the Abrahamic covenant is Ishmael, not Isaac. He actually takes the story of Genesis 22, and he says that it was Ishmael who went with Abraham, and it was Ishmael who was the firstborn son of the promise. And it was Ishmael who laid down his life for his father. Islam takes all of the storyline of the Bible and it twists it so that Sarah is rejected, Hagar is accepted, Isaac is rejected, and Ishmael is accepted. And then they will say that as a result, the Abrahamic covenant belongs to the descendants not of Isaac, and those are the Jewish people, but to the descendants of Ishmael, those are the Arabs and the Palestinians. And they would say that is our land and it should be our lineage 
and we worship our Lord, not Jesus, but Allah. There has constantly been a war for these three things. Who owns the land? Which lineage is the inheritance of the covenant? And who ultimately is the Lord? You need to know that this is a profound spiritual battle that continues until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. This is not just political. This is biblical and deeply, profoundly spiritual. All right. Um, today, uh, Christian. So, Pastor Michael, um, I, the there are a few reasons I chose this clip. I realized that probably a thing that we missed with me skipping the first ten minutes um, is, and I'll come back to it. But this this description of Islam and the way he does it. He has done probably since 9-11. He is just, and I, at one point in my life, um, I pretty much lifted this description of Islam. Now, not quite as bombastically, the Gabriel, the demon showed up, you know, all of this. But this mm -hmm. idea of it's the war between the two sons. And that's how it's yeah. happened. Um, so this, again, I this just literally sounded like what I listened to when I was listening to hours of Driscoll every day. Yeah. The other thing that we kind of miss that we do get a little bit at the end. So the first 10 minutes of this is him retelling the entire story of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. He does this super effectively. Mm -hmm. um, he gives it weight. Um, and he basically gives it stakes and says the entire world is like, is rising and falling on this covenant. And when I, in that section of that sermon, even before we get to the section on Islam, I just had this moment of like, man, people who teach covenant theology need to take a page out of this book to yes. like emphasize that this is the the importance and how just critical this is. That he yeah, did a great job. Also did a great job of you know um, tying the story, especially the sacrifice of Isaac or the you know um, God calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, uh, tying that to the story of Christ. He did actually does a very good job. It is very compelling. Um, most of it, wow. most of it is very compelling. Were you gonna go somewhere with this too? Because no, why don't you go there? Uh, because uh, what he does then is what he does at the end of that statement he does, you know, um, with Islam, where he uh, conflates Ishmael, Islam, Palestinians. Yep. He also conflates um, Isaac, the son of promise, the Jews and Israelites, as if all of these things are the same. And there's, I mean, we could go a long time um, talking about why this is actually uh, really not good. Um, this is not good. This is the big breakdown. This, this is the breakdown. Yes. Well, let's like play. He does a great job up to a certain point. Let's play the next clip. It might be getting at this because Perfect. as this went on for so many minutes before he got to his sermon text, by the way, everyone who's not a patron, we normally play guess what Driscoll's sermon text is. I'd like you to play guess what uh uh, text is Driscoll sermon text and we'll get there. We'll play it. Um, but yeah, let's, let's uh, play this. Cause I think this next one is where we, it's very quick after this. Cause I think we start to get this problem. Whoops. Of churches is the cross and we are worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name is Jesus Christ. 
On top of mosques, there is not a cross, there is a crescent. And this is what we find is going to be our moon tonight. This is what the world will see in the sky. We are looking at the ring of fire lunar eclipse that is descending on the earth today. As there is war in the Middle East, the sign in the heavens is the crescent on fire. Now, what we witnessed a week ago today was Hamas invading and attacking Israel. Hamas are Palestinians, descendants of Ishmael. Israel are Jews, descendants of Isaac. This battle has been occurring for 4,000 years, roughly back to the days of Abraham. And the attack was land, sea, and air. It occurred on a Saturday morning. We're going to stop. He's about to just catalog the pretty horrendous things that happened in the terrorist attack, which if that is something you are, you care about, and, and not that you shouldn't care, but like if you like, if you want to know the details of that, Obviously, that has been covered at length everywhere in the whole world. Um, and so just to avoid our people we know have kids listening, we're not going to go into that stuff in super depth because it's not necessary. But yes. So, Pastor Michael, um, I found the moon comment an interesting one. Uh, we got a little bit of a blood moon uh, vibe going there. A blood moon vibe. Heck. So people that know me will know that i want to believe in this stuff like i want i want i want so bad to say there's something uh connected to the movement of the sun moon stars the planets and world events like i actually i want to believe that um i don't know that that has anything to do with what is going on at all. <laughs> and I don't, and I tend to think not, yeah. uh, but I'm like, I'm the kind of person like, I, man, I want to believe it, but especially when it's done in this kind of, of almost ham fisted way, I just can't, um, I can't get behind it. And here's, so here again, you saw, so you saw some of that conflation, right? Yep. Ishmael to Palestine. Boom. Just like that. Um, and he's going to do this too with the Jews. Now, at times, he makes the helpful distinction um, that, hey, uh, Jews and Christian, like Jews need to get saved just like the Palestinians, just like uh, Palestinian uh, Muslims. Um, and so it's, it's not as though, um, you know, religious Jews, um, those who are still, uh, you know, adhering to that, that religion, um, don't need Christ. They don't worship the same God. They don't worship Jesus. And so they need to. So he says that a couple of times, which is helpful and good. But at other times, he very much conflates where he just says, yep, God's people, God's chosen people from Abraham through Isaac is the Jews, which by the way, he conflates again with the Israelis. Mm -hmm. um, although it's true that most Israelis are Jews, um, Israel, the modern state of Israel and the Jews is not the same thing. That what is not the same thing. And it's not, it's not actually proper to talk that way. We all do it. I mean, almost everybody does it, 
and you'll see that on any news station right now. Um, but it is really not a, uh, like that is not a, a helpful way to talk. Actually, explain why it's it's not helpful to talk that way for people. yeah. So on this level, because of the sermon, right? When we're talking about um, like Old Testament Israel, um, we're not we're talking about the the people of God in a way. Um, that is objectively different than the Jews today. When we're talking about the land of Israel and the the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, um, that is not the same thing as the modern secular state of Israel that has been established after World War II, right? Like that is, it's not the same thing. Um, and a lot of people think it is, right? A lot of people conflate those two things, uh, but it's not. Also, um, it's important even just for today not to uh, put these two things together because the idea that the actions of the state of Israel should be seen as if they are the actions of the Jews, right? Like the whole of the Jewish people everywhere. That's just that's just not true. It's not an accurate representation of the world. Now, I think that one of the, there are there are a few reasons I think we talk that way. There's one, it's the, kind of just convenient shorthand right that because yep. obviously um while there are there are arab uh non and i mean just and then non and then they have no participation in the jewish religion in israel and obviously there are plenty of secular non-practicing jews in israel and jews that live in america right jews that live in switzerland right men you know like there's uh they're they're all over uh, right. as as the whole world is right. And they, yeah, for, right. for historical reasons, because of their diaspora and the persecutions they face, right. They've, they've went all over um, one. So it's just a convenient shorthand Two, in the American Christian world, because of dispensationalism, we literally spent a generation describing uh, the nation state of Israel as the reconstitution of the covenant people of God yeah. of, of Israel. And this is where, when Driscoll makes a straight line where he just says, Abraham, yes. Isaac to the modern state of Israel. Yes. That is not true. What does Paul say? Who are the children of Abraham? Yes. Right. It It's the spiritual children of Abraham, right? Yeah. It's, it's those who have Abraham's faith in the new covenant era, in the era that we live in right now. Um, the Israel of God is not the modern nation state of Israel. It is not. Um, now, I personally, like, I have no problem believing in a future mass conversion of the the Jewish people, right? The ethnically Jewish people. Um, I have no problem believing in that. Uh, but uh, to conflate those sorts of things with a modern nation state, um, especially with just, you know, the the whole history of how the modern state of Israel was formed. It's just, I think it's actually dangerous. I think it's a dangerous thing to do. It, um, and we're, we're going to get into why that is. The next clip we are going to watch is, is, uh, is this clip that went viral, which will, which will help explain why that is. Um, I will say one thing he does in this that actually um, is very helpful. And again, is a thing that he is going to get credit for no one else doing he spends all this time walking through what happened in Israel, what Hamas did in Israel, how Israel will likely respond, how um, how even if there's sympathy for them early on, that will likely end because of just the 
likely prolonged and ugly nature this conflict will take on. And then he walks through just war theory and and then explains why he thinks the actions of Israel, which, again, this is a I'm saying this. This is divorced from the end times spiritual conflict that it's we're about to watch him uh, connect it to just helping people understand we don't live in a time where anyone has really in on any understanding of what actual war and violence is like. And we're, we one the terrorist things that were committed in Israel. We saw it, but we are going to see it. Like if they like when a ground invasion happens into this country, people, we like, if you want to pray for civilians, this is the, this is the time because it is going to be ugly. And, it's going to require incredibly careful, difficult thinking in terms of just war. And and frankly, friends, we're not up to it. We are not ready for that yeah. level of conversation. Um, right? We weren't up for it with Ukraine and Russia. We're not up for it now. We wouldn't be up for it if this um, conflict spread. Um, we would have no idea how to respond about our own nation state taking state action on any level and that's not good right like that we don't we are not like that we are not the mature that we are not ready for this level of ethical discussion yeah he he at least gives a primer on it for his people he does so this is this is what's interesting and i took some notes like this that basically were like man in my opinion as far as the actual modern situation, I think Mark Driscoll has done a better job than most Christians and most other, even just like newscasters and things that I have seen. Okay. I think he does a better job at describing certain aspects of what might happen, what is and isn't justified and being somewhat balanced in it. However, when I say that this is dangerous, what he's doing by conflating these biblical ideas and, and um, what's going on today, um, and what we're going to listen to in a second um, is, I think, whether or not he is actually more careful than most people will realize, what he is saying is going to just put fuel on the fire of those who are um, basically in a, a fit of bloodlust over what's going on. Mm. Um, and because we are not a careful people, uh, not a thoughtful people, we are not a wise people. It is a mess um, as far as ethical dilemmas. It's a mess and it's difficult. And almost everybody on every side just wants revenge and blood and wants to see people die. Um, and they don't want to see it, but uh, that, like, that's what they want. They want vengeance. And that's what's scary about this is because I think you can take a lot of what he says and you can use it as a spiritual justification yep. for a significant significant death this is this it well this is the danger right it's like how do you um you know when i was thinking about this how do you make a complicated in something that's going to lead to that that already right is already is painful for everyone in israel that's going to lead to incredible pain uh probably also in israel also in the gaza strip also for every and already has right i mean so yeah. many people have already died and, and yeah and, continue and, to and we haven't even started and this thing hasn't even started yet how do you make that worse as a western american christian you say well this is an end times 
ultimate spiritual <laughs> contest. That yes. is how, and you start trying to cast it in those terms, um, because it 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 just is, it's it's going to make it worse. I think it would be interesting because here's the other thing I'll just say before we get back to this clip is I think the way he's talking is actually the only way forward for anyone who wants any form of dispensationalism, because I think it's lost so much. Mm. And he is just, he is doing hybrid, whatever he wants, right? Hybrid yep. spiritual warfare, hybrid. I'm taking the concepts of covenant and saying that covenant has determined everything, right? Not a flipping over of dispensation, but also I'm going to bring back some of their things. This is this. I, I think it'd be very interesting to talk to our good friend, Rob, about um, like how this relates, what, what he's doing in this sermon, how it relates to um, probably a lot of the softening of modern dispensationalism. But yeah. because I think what he's doing will actually be compelling, whereas the traditional dispensational um, presentations, I think all the young students I know that I talk to in our church plant aren't aren't interested. They might like right. believe in basic things like the rapture, but it's just because that's the kind of generic. You right. know, everybody believes that, right? That's yeah. But like nobody's excited the way they were a generation ago. You know right. about the specifics. But all right, let's go to this. This is the clip. If we're gonna cut part of this, uh, if we're gonna put this on its own, this is Driscoll's viral clip on Hamas. This was a prophetic revelation this week that I, 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 I just stopped and I felt the presence of God in a profound and deep way, and I felt very disoriented. Pastor Michael, yay nay or nuance, Muhammad also felt the deep, profound presence of God. <laughs> oh man, this is actually so. When he tells the story of Islam, um, and he talks about how okay, this angel appeared to Muhammad. It was a demon. It was a fallen angel. And one of my like one of my first thoughts is based on how you understand God works in the world, how can you know? I mean, that's like based on your more um, charismatic understanding of the <laughs> the way that these things happen, and the way that revelations come, and yeah. the way that spirits are at work. Um, which I don't uh, disagree with all of it, at least in, on a, on the principle level. Yeah. Um, but like a, according to you and how you live. How could you tell if the revelation you're getting is from God versus not? Because I bet Muhammad's revelation, I, like I, I tend to not think I'm not a cynic on this level where I think that, uh, you know, Muhammad made it up. Right. I think probably uh, an angelic being did actually come to him. I do think probably um, he had a revelation from a demon. Um, and I think that was probably really compelling and an incredible personal spiritual experience. And it's like, and I think that he could say everything that everybody says when they say, God spoke to me, I saw an angel, I saw a vision in the heavens, I experienced this amazing dream. I think that he could have said all the same things and been very convincing. He was very convincing and very, you know, obviously. Um, and so that is the question that I thought of too. How, uh, how about, since you're going on record with these things, do you want to go on record on good old Jay Smith, the, the American guy that Gabriel came to? with a golden book and a new revelation. How about that guy? You I, put him in the same category? Uh, it, 
I do actually. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think he's much more of like a swindler in character. Now, obviously, we don't know maybe as much about uh, Muhammad as we know about Joseph Smith. Uh, so Joseph Smith, way more of a he's swindler. Like his whole life was tricking people. <laughs> That's true. And You're so right. there's that. But as far as it being like a clearly, like you think about Mormonism, it's spread, how it continues to operate. You think about the nature of of how it spreads, the the way that they evangelize. And I think, man, there is something truly spiritually evil about this, right? There's something truly spiritually demonic about this. Um, so in that way, I would connect them, but maybe not to the same extent. If you're a patron, you can ask me in the chat um, what my, sometimes my nickname for Mormonism is. But um, I actually <laughs> tell a brief story here. Um, watching, I was watching a young evangelical try and evangelize a Muslim actually once, and they were doing it the way that you know most of us naturally did it. They were trying to tell their testimony how, like, God, you know, after they met Christ, they had this deep inner peace that they'd never known, right? You know, you can, you know, this story, right? The, you know, the person explaining the changes they felt were happening inside of them the the way they felt when they read the bible for you know mm -hmm. all these kinds of things what a more what a mormon would say yeah yeah um, <laughs> so and this muslim looked at them and said you've just described every time i go to friday prayer and read the quran in arabic yep and my and i this was probably 10 years ago and this was truly one of the moments that started making me investigate what Mark Driscoll now der deridingly calls cessationism because I had to start figuring out how do I tell the difference between these two things that just yeah. happened. So let's keep um, let's keep reading about, you know, this pastor. He's going to get a personal experience with God. He was very disoriented. Always a good thing to preach on when you're disoriented and confused. Um, Hamas is a Palestinian acronym for the Islamic resistance movement. This is uh, the things he's going to say about Hamas's name. We will get to the kind of big spiritual claim. Both of the things he's going to say, just so everyone knows, are true about the Arabic and the Hebrew, just so we, we can avoid that fact check when we get there. It is also an Arabic word that means zeal, Hamas. All headline now, Hamas. Hamas is also a Hebrew word in the Bible. It appears here in Genesis 6:11, in the days of Noah. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Hamas. Hamas is the Hebrew word for violent evil. And that word filled is sometimes translated, including in Jeremiah, if memory serves me correct, as possessed. The whole world was possessed by the spirit of Hamas. It's demonic possession globally. Demonic possession is the counterfeit of being filled with the spirit. Hamas is a spirit. Hamas is a de demonic spirit of violence. So Pastor Michael, are you ready for your Hebrew word study fact check of the night? This is everyone's favorite segment on the Restless Show. Where we I'm ready. I'm ready because I listened to this literally right before we came on. Um, I did not get a chance to do this. And so oh. I was hoping that you did. So the word 
uh, Hamas. Uh, I'm not a good. Uh, I'm not good at Hebrew, so uh, don't don't promise to have pronounced it better. Um, is a Hebrew word, and it does mean violence, and is used in Genesis uh, six eleven, as he mentioned. Um, Pastor Michael, we should mention a few things about this word. Um, it is not the only word for violence in the Hebrew Bible. Um, it is not only used uh, in this, because as this goes on, Pastor Michael, make sure you tell people, this is like, um, he makes it clear, like this word oh, indicates an like an evil. An evil spirit. Yeah, the whole yep, world. That's going to be his whole thing. Yes. Um, and, and that tell this, me, tell me where else it's used, Matt. Is it, well, <laughs> tell me you've looked up other contexts where it's used. There are many, I mean, it is a pretty generic word for, we might just say like, um, I don't know what the right word would be. It would be, maybe the word would be harm, like just like harm. So, um, when Pharaoh is mad at Abraham for lying to him about Sarah, he says, what is this? Or may this Hamas, Hamas, you've done to me, fall back on your head. Um, right. We have many prayers against a Hamas witness. So maybe a, a harmful witness. Right. So where we would say maybe malicious witness, um, someone who loves harm. So I would say that, that the general um, tone is negative. I mean, I, I have to imagine I want to I again, did I have time to look up every possible um, use of this word? No. Um, but I think it's I think it's used about 60 times in the um, in the in the Old Testament. Um, again, there is not a real um I don't know if I don't think there's a real sense like we can say that uh, even the like use in Jeremiah, one of Jeremiah's judgments from God is he's like, I'm going to yell Hamas and violence on you. And so, again, I think that the word is my whole point is that it's pretty strange to make it this um, specific. Right. It's a word for harm. Um and so I don't know that it would be, uh, uh, I don't think it has this kind of indication, right? You know, in Israel, right, there's a law against a malicious witness, right, that you're supposed to put to death. That person can commit Hamas. Um, so I don't know if, so Pastor Michael, I guess the question is, obviously, I just kind of said a pretty uh, non-committal bleh, of an answer. How does that strike you, given the presentation that that he's going to give on this word? Yeah, I mean, he so he jumps pretty far into a very specific idea that this is literally the name of a demonic spirit. Right. Um, that like that's extreme. And the fact that you do that by um, saying, look, this is both true in Hebrew and Arabic. Mm hmm. Um, that's, I mean, just because two words sound the same, they have the same meaning. Now, given, I mean, so uh, these, you know, Semitic languages obviously share a lot of characteristics. There's a lot of value, I think, in in uh, doing work where you look at all these different languages, you know, having similar origins. Like, there's not that this doesn't matter at all, 
but with the specific idea that this is about a demonic spirit, um, that's a, like when he says that this is revealed to him, like this is just he's making this up, right? He's, like this is something he is making up. He's he's using a weird now again. Like, can I come up with another potential reason these words would match? Yes, I can. Hamas hates Israel. They named their party after a word for violence to indicate to Hebrew speaking people who live in Israel. We plan on committing harm. We are committed to your harm. Yeah. Not be- easy. Also, right. if you like it, you know, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but I can tell you without a doubt that if we sat here long enough, we could f- figure out other places um, that you have words that are used in negative context um, that share like the same sounds um, today uh, from some other language. And we could try to make connections between them as though this has some deep inherent meaning. Um, now it is more meaningful in the sense that Hebrew and Arabic have similarities, right? Like because they're both Semitic languages. Uh, but I, that doesn't mean they're the same thing. They mean the same figure, right? Like that's the jump. That is a jump. It is something he's making up. That is not something that you get from the text. Right. And, yeah yeah i mean again like again once you're going to say that basically these people are animated by a demonic spirit that was in operation before the flood dude everyone with every weird take before the flood just so you know just in general just ever you guys go take a go take a breather before you bring me another the world before the flood weird take <laughs> I, you don't need anymore. and i have them guys i have them i get it i like i have them um, but it does, I mean, it leaves the door open for this kind of stuff, right? I mean, this is, this is where we're going with it in so the days of Noah, right? He's about to get to how Hamas is a demonic spirit of violence that is antichrist. That is antichrist. And it is intentionally, um, motivated to attack and destroy the Abrahamic covenant, take the land and the lineage and redefine who the Lord is. I'm telling you that Hamas is a demonic spirit that has been at work since the days of Noah. What did God do to everyone who had the spirit of Hamas in the days of Noah? He flooded the earth and destroyed them. The spirit of Hamas that possessed all people caused them to be destroyed. And the only people who survived and lived were not filled with the Hamas spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Hamas is a word that is used to refer to, and all of this is in my notes, the Chaldeans and the Babylonians in Jeremiah 31.5, the Shechemites in Judges 9.34, and the Egyptians in Joel 3.19. Not only were people filled with the spirit of Hamas in the days of Noah, also they were filled with the spirit of Hamas in the Chaldean Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Shechemite Empire, and the Egyptian Empire. The point is this, people come and go, but the demons remain the same. The spirit of Hamas is always working in and through nations, governments, and peoples to bring about possession of the land, ending of the lineage, and destruction of the plan of the Lord. Um, Hamas is a demonic and powerful warrior spirit. 
And when you see Hamas being celebrated globally, know that that is worship and it is spiritual warfare. Now, back to the story. Sarah. Let's, let's pause there for a moment here. All right. So, Pastor Michael, what do you think about, again, this continued, this continued just analogy that he's working? Yeah, again, I mean, you are making this up. I mean, this, okay, you know, Hamas is this warrior spirit, those sorts of things. Now, the reason that this is going to um, sound like it has the sound of truth. It, there's something compelling about it. Why? Because the Bible does talk about the spirit of the Antichrist. It does talk about um, a, a particular um, line of spiritual warfare against the offspring of the woman, the offspring of Abraham. Um, there is a spiritual battle at work. Now, if he would have, you know, if he would have simply said almost, almost everything that he said, and if he just said the devil, Satan, instead of going off on this specific Hebrew word and trying to make it some kind of reference to a particular demon or something like that, um, that actually would fit a lot of biblical context, right? Like that actually would fit in certain contexts. Now, again, the way he does it, he adds things, he throws stuff in, he'll say a Bible reference, and then he'll just make something up. And, yep. and that's like that kind of conflation is dangerous because you're just, you're adding what you want. Um, you're, you're describing what you want, but the reason that it, it is compelling to some um, is because it has that ring of truth that you do find in scripture. Yes. I think it is really important when we have a discussion of why this would be compelling one. Um, I also think, let me just give you another concern about this. Um, man with how long like again again we are about to be 30 minutes into this sermon and he's been basically kind of getting up to this point for the entire 30 minutes my i have a particular concern when i listen to this is i don't know how what this is supposed to do to my view of muslims in the world now again mm -hmm. i am not answering that question in a political sense yep about immigration national policy i am simply asking people to consider that as a christian um yeah. this basically only exists to make people more scared of muslims hmm. that is all this can really accomplish yeah. um and that's not to say because it would be untrue to say of course in the modern era the majority of terrorist attacks are by muslims that's just true I mean, like, I, I don't feel I don't feel I don't feel any uh, uh, reason to not say that. But what we're doing is. We are going to misunderstand the Islamic world if we think the Islamic world is a world primarily motivated by terrorism, um, even the destruction of Israel, while there is a huge amount of anti-Semitism within Islam. Um but this kind of rhetoric, basically casting it in this kind of spiritual language as like um, as like a powerful, violent spirit that's overtaking people, I, I think is going to be actively detrimental to attempting to understand and evangelize Muslims in the places where they are. 
Yeah. That's helpful. That's helpful um, to think through. Uh, because, and I wanted to ask you about how he portrays Islam um, and, and connects these various things because of your extensive work with Muslims evangelizing people who are Islamic. So uh, that is really helpful. So, yeah, let's, let's uh, get the rest of this and then... Hagar, Isaac, Ishmael. Conflict in the home. Abraham is the father of two sons, and there's only one covenant. Which son will inherit the promise of the covenant? There's conflict between the wives, conflict between the sons. Sarah decides to kick Hagar out of the house. Are you ready? Genesis 16. Sarah said to Abraham, may the wrong Hamas done to me be on you. I gave my servant Hagar to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived Ishmael, she looked at me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, Sarah. Again, there's a where, place where it would be used as harm, right? There's some harm she's experienced, right? That would not be analogous probably to the what was happening before the flood right right so and if it is right if that's what this is talking about if what he's saying is true that this hamas is speaking of a demonic spirit sarah See? is saying abraham you have given me a demonic spirit right right like there's a demonic spirit that has now uh come upon me because of you yes. just read it like that and you realize oh that's not what's going on again it's the problem with the word study is like Obviously, the Bible uses its language incredibly specifically, but the words aren't like magic, right? This isn't a magic word that it only uses this for this reason. Sarah invited Hagar into the home, and it was her idea for her husband to marry this Egyptian woman. And when Hagar moved into the home, Sarah told her husband, we need to cast out. You know what you do with a demon? You cast it out. Sarah went to her husband and said, we need to cast out that woman because she has brought Hamas into our home. The spirit of Hamas. Okay. So, well, can I just say, so one of the problems with this, by the way, just go read the story of Ishmael, Hagar and Ishmael, and read how God speaks of Ishmael speaks of Hagar and what does God do for them? He protects them. Right. He cares for them. He watches over them. He reveals himself to them and he makes a great nation of Ishmael because he is the offspring of Abraham. And, uh, and even though the promise will be carried out through Isaac, he still blesses Ishmael on account of Abraham. So in other words, God blesses a demon according, like if you just follow what, Mark Driscoll is saying, then God is is blessing and and wanting this demonic presence to flourish in the world. Yes, and that doesn't it doesn't work, everybody. It does not work. And obviously, the big one of the other big issues here is this idea of like, well, it must be demonic. It's all demonic. This kind of demonic possession language is actually pretty much foreign to the to the Old Testament. To the Old Testament. Yep. It's there's and it it would be a very interesting conversation not for now why during jesus's ministry yes. we see that kind of possession 
that kind of casting out happen. There's right, because you're right. It does not, you do not see that same thing happening in the Old Testament. There's something messianic about it. It probably has something to do with the binding of the strong man. Yep. But this is, again, it's just, it is the, I've got a word, word fallacy, boom, boom. And it, and again, as Pastor Michael said, it can sound very plausible, right? It can sound very plausible. Cain with Hagar. It's a demonic spirit. The Hamas spirit that was in the days of Noah came into Abraham's house with Hagar. And the conflict was between the Holy Spirit and the Hamas spirit. Therefore, Abraham had to choose between the Hamas spirit and the Holy Spirit in his household. He chose the Holy Spirit and his wife, Sarah, and their son, Isaac, and he cast out, like a demon, Hagar and the Hamas spirit, along with her son, Ishmael. Are you following me? This is very deep revelation. And the Bible doesn't just tell us what happened, but what always happens. And we don't just look at the Bible, we look through the Bible to make sense of the world in which we live. All right, before we give him just a couple more seconds on this viral clip, Pastor Michael, incredibly important, he says, right, the Bible doesn't just tell us things, this gives us a way to view the world. If I view the world that Abraham had to choose between the Hamas spirit and the Holy Spirit and cast out Hagar, and I'm supposed to back read that onto the world I live in today, what does that mean? What would that what would that indicate when he's talking about this in the context of the conflict in Israel? Yeah, this is exactly what I was saying, um, where what you are doing is you are now justifying whatever violence now comes upon Palestine, upon. Now, listen, um, so I want to this. is I don't know if this is a good time to do this, but like we're talking about a very difficult topic. Um, when we start talking about the modern nation state of Israel and the Palestinian conflict and everything that's going on. And like we said before, none of us are probably up to this, at least not quite, right? Like we actually don't have wisdom. Most people are not grownups when it comes to this at all. It is, look what I saw on the news. Some people for zero reasons at all killed a bunch of other people and now we should kill all of them. That is seriously the level of, thought that most people put into this kind of thing. Um, I would really highly encourage you if you're listening to this and you want to actually know more about the founding of the nation, modern nation state of Israel um, and the, the roots of this conflict, which is not like the reason why, um, you know, we could say earlier that this same kind of sermon has been given time and time again, every time this happens between Israel and Palestine is because it's been happening for a long time, but not that long. Um, it's in it, like it's it's not actually that long. This is not a four thousand year old battle, um, at least not what we see today. Um, there might be roots in that, but um, but I would highly recommend you go and listen. It's a long listen um, because it actually tries to do a good job. Uh, but there's a great podcast, um, the Martyr Made podcast. Daryl Cooper does a great podcast um, called uh, I Got. I have to remember what it's actually called, uh, but all about the the early Zionism, uh, the founding of the nation state of Israel. Um, it's called Fear and Loathing in the New Jerusalem. It's literally like 30 hours or something like that. 
It is an in-depth history podcast where he just walks through the things that happen. Okay, the one of the dangers of what's going on right now is that all we see is horrific things that were done to Israel um, that were meant to do exactly what they've done, by the way, like meant to make the whole world think this is just so horrific and horrible and probably meant to make Israel unlivable so that less and less people are moving there, um, less and less Jews from around the world, so that because um, because it's it's thought that uh, you know the the Palestinians are having more children than those in Israel, eventually they will be able to take the territory back simply on the basis of the numbers. Um, if they make it unlivable, where people are no longer moving there, in fact, people are moving away. Uh, but but all we see is that. And now there's sermons like by Mark Driscoll about how this, like this is such a massive sign, but there has been an incredibly violent conflict, violent from both sides going on for a hundred years. And the idea that like, this is just out of the blue demonic spirit activity, it's wicked, it's evil, right? Like the, the people who did this deserve everything that will come to them, right? Like they do deserve to die 100%. Um, the idea that this kind of hatred that you then see rise up all around the world just comes out of nowhere though. And it's just, it's just this sudden, you can make it seem like, wow, this is just the rising of this demonic spirit. And it is a rising of a, of a desire for vengeance and this bloodlust that I do think is wicked. Um, but it makes sense when you see and, and understand the kinds of things that have happened historically to a lot of these people to the people they know, to their families. that Like when you have had your, you know, when you have been dispossessed of your land, um, it makes sense. Uh, when you have had, like every time this conflict happens, Hamas does kill a lot of people in Israel. Um, it, 10 times and more, innocent civilians will die in Palestine because of this. Okay, and now part of that is because Hamas is evil and they'll make sure that those civilians die. Uh, part of it is because there's many that support Hamas and they're going to, you know, uh, they're going to be around them or with them uh, when they're attacked. Like there's, it, this is complicated, right? It's, it's not like there's a good and unevil. Okay. Like, like you have to actually have wisdom. It's more difficult than that. Um, it's not so straightforward. Um, and the danger of laying it out like this, look, all this is, is good versus evil. I understand the draw to make it simple and easy. I understand the draw to say, look, this is just what the Bible talks about. This simple, you know, um, you know, fight between God's seed and the seed of the serpent, this, you know, and that's what's going on here. What is that actually going to lead to? And what it, is it leading to right now? Um, it's, it's going to lead to a huge amount of death um, and very possibly significant, uh, you know, atrocities uh, done to people who really don't like they're not actually uh, people who um, deserve that level of, of hatred and violence. Uh, you know, obviously Hamas does, right? Like the the organization Hamas, of course. Um, but anyway, it's it it bothers me because it's so um, it is so uh, horrific what's going to happen, and guys like this and so many Christians just act like this is a game. They act like this is just a, you know, like I'm, well, I'm for the good guys. It's like you're watching a football game or something, 
right? Well, I'm going to, I want my team to win. Don't you understand what that means? Right. Don't you understand how, uh, how dangerous that kind of rhetoric is in a time like this? Like we should pray for peace. This is why we're to pray for peace. Like we want God to do justice against those who deserve it. Israel obviously has a right to respond after this kind of attack. I'm not a pacifist, but just for a moment, think about the massive amount of casualties that that is going to include. And it's just horrifying. There's no, like, it's just not a, it's not a good versus evil kind of dilemma. And, and even potentially, you know, it's worse. Paul in Galatians does draw a specific lesson from the lesson, the life of Sarah yes. and Hagar. Yes, he does. He, he makes a very specific point. And do you know what's really offensive about it? If you read that in Galatians 3, he says, well, one, the two women, we, and he says we can interpret this allegorically. So yep. everyone's hair lit on fire. Paul doesn't think apparently the grammatical historical methods all there is. He goes, let's interpret this allegorically. Gen, uh, right galatians who are interested in circumcision that they might be right with god and paul goes interesting that you say that because there was once two women and they both um were going to try and accomplish the promises of god one through the power of the flesh the other by trusting in god's promises one the slave woman will not remain in the house and the other by promise, will remain. Now, what's really, really striking about that? What's really offensive about what Paul's saying? Now, I do actually think there is, to a degree, even an analogy with Islam today in this idea that they, by their obedience, by martyrdom, by yeah. by they have a religion of orthopraxy. They legitimately do believe we will we will please God through what we do. They do believe that there is a there is an analogy in their religious system that follows this. And I mean, like, again, right. So I don't think it's an accident. They say we are Ishmael's sons. We like we will do this. Right. I don't think there's an accident there. But Paul's point is actually much more offensive. Paul's saying, you know who the sons of Ishmael are? The Jews. Yeah. The Jews who demand circumcision that you please God. That's right. Of Abraham, the sons of the the free woman, the children of promise, are those who have trusted in Jesus Christ completely and solely. That's right. They're sons by faith. Hey, if you're listening to this, go and just read Galatians. You can do it in like probably, what, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, Just go read it and follow Paul's argument about who the Israel of God is. We're not talking about the modern nation state of Israel. We're not talking about Hamas, the terrorist organization. That is not what the Bible is talking about. Yes. So before we leave here, though, we do have to get to this sermon text, which everyone, if you were keeping score at home, it was at the 41 minute and 20 second mark. Pastor Mark Fiskel got to his sermon text. First of all, <laughs> Thessalonians 5, <laughs> 2 through 9. Uh, Wrath is coming, but not for the children of God. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So where is history going? It's going to the second coming of Jesus. All right. So Pastor Michael, I am going to skip to the clip where he says, is this the the end days? How did you react when 41 minutes in, he said, so so great we're here in First Thessalonians based on what I've just talked about for the last 
40 minutes. And you realize, yep, this has nothing to do with what you're talking about, right? Like it's all, yeah, it's it's a mess. It's a which, real mess, everybody. Which Michael and I have realized as we've listened to Driscoll now and thought back about it. This is what he's always done, though. Yes, it is. It is what he's always done. He's never actually preached the text, even though when we listened to him in his heyday, it got us excited about expositional preaching. Yes. Because that's what he said he was doing. And for the record, he at least would read the text, right? And he at least would say he's <laughs> preaching out of that text. Yes. Uh, but he uh, is not. <laughs> I had someone talking to me about our church plant and like a way we need to like help people understand what we're doing is they're like, just so you know, what people like in on a broad level is they want you to say, I'm going to teach the Bible. We teach the Bible. We teach the Bible verse by verse. And then whatever you do after that point, they will just accept it and think it's good. <laughs> and I know that's like sounds really cynical, but think about Joel Osteen's church where he's like, hold up your Bible. This is my Bible. Like, yeah, like, yeah, this is what people want. And like, and obviously, like for us, for those of us who are like, we need to preach the text. It's just a reminder to tell people we are trying to preach the text, right? To actually verbalize that for people is helpful because um, hopefully we can continue to teach people to see the difference between like a fake version of that and the an actual, you know, uh, faithful, honest, you know, sincere attempt at that. So Driscoll is about to answer the question. Are these the last days? I know it's been a little heavy. Let's just have a, a breathable moment. Shall we? Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Is he sending people to hell? Yes. Uh, do you believe in him? No. <laughs> if I might point out the obvious, that is not a great plan. 75% of professing Christians and 92% of Protestant Christians are team. Last one. Will Jesus return during your lifetime? 10% of all adults. 21% of Protestant Christians and 27% of adults say, I'm not sure. Um, let me go to a deeper level of prophetic revelation. Go deeper. What are some of the birth pains that come before Jesus comes? Right? Um, I won't read it all, but if you want to read it for yourself, Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about a final war. And Gog and Magog. Let me set it up and then go. let me show it to you. Gog and Magog. And Here. we're going back, right? This is now it's like, man, we're just right back in the good old days of the Cold War and Russia from the north. And like, we're back, everybody. This has all been, I know that if like, if you're just tuning into Driscoll now and you're just finding this stuff and somehow you got on this podcast, you might think, wow, this is so interesting. Like this new stuff. This is the same thing that has been said since the founding of the nation state of Israel and before. And honestly, like if you were a dispensationalist and you were a dispensationalist before the founding of the modern state of Israel, yeah. I, like I understand how when that happens in 1948, you were like, oh my goodness, it's real. Like this is everything that we were told. This is everything the Bible talks about. I understand how you could fall into that really easily. That makes a ton of sense. Um, and there is something, in my mind anyway, with the history of the, the founding of the state of Israel. Like there's 
something particular about it. Like it, it's, it is really fascinating and interesting. Um, so I get it. Um, but since that time, every time a war erupts in the Middle East, every time some, some new conflict against Israel or from Israel happens, every time we go to Ezekiel 38, 39, is somebody from the north coming down? Is it Iran? Is it, is, is it, is it Russia? Who's going to be doing this? Every single time, people. This is not the first time. This is not new. This has been done a hundred times before, a thousand times before, ten thousand times before. And it's interesting Driscoll is doing this now because he didn't do this when I was listening to him. Because had he done this when I was listening to him, I would have went, oh no, this is the same old thing. Yep. Like, this is the thing that made the Bible dead to me and a speculation of conspiracy wildness. Actually, I mean, all I remember him doing when he talked about the end times was, hey, Jesus is coming back. We should celebrate. Hey, he's going to come back as a warrior. Right. He's not like he he's not some, you know, emasculated, uh, you know, the way he would talk. You know, Jesus is a warrior. Right. He's coming back and he's going to destroy all of his enemies. He's not the the lame Jesus that so many people talk about. Uh, so that's the way he would talk about the end times. And otherwise, to at least as far as I remember, he didn't he wouldn't touch this stuff um, very often. And and you know what the best part is when you predict the war of Gog and Magog? <laughs> was about to is you never have to say sorry because by the time uh it's relevant to try and predict this sucker again everyone forgot and stopped caring that nobody remembers just like nobody remembers why why would people like why would you know um why would the palestinians be excited about what hamas did to israel there's no reason they must just be animals right they're not like us decent human beings um, they're like, they're just these animalistic things that just want to kill and destroy, right? It, it's like, okay, we have no memory, right? We have no memory. We don't know history. Uh, we don't know history of Christianity. We don't know the history of the world. And because of it, we are fooled time and time again. As your local admiral in the amillennialist army, um, there is, there is a great cause for when we see war, rumors of war, all these things, when we talk about these things as the birth pangs. We are reminded, unlike the foolish full preterists, we are not in the eternal state. We are in a time of sin. We are in a time that there will be war. There will be evil. There is reason to cry out and ask for Christ's return. And we don't need to go down. We don't need to figure out. Um, Man, I was explaining this to my wife about like why people got like why people believe Gog and Magog refer to Russia and stuff, dude, it is like, it is a 100, it is like a 100% downgrade, like monomic, uh, monomic device than like Driscoll's Hamas and Hamas. It's like this one word in Hebrew sort of sounds like the word Moscow. And it like, it is just, (laughs) uh, when, Oh, man, that's bad. And there's a reason, by the way, everybody, that he didn't read the whole text. Like, there's a reason he says, we don't have to read the whole text. To you. Um, I spent, you know, I spent the last 50 minutes telling you about the word Hamas and why it's a demonic spirit. But we don't have time to sit here and read about Gog and Magog. You know why? Because you would read it and you would say, what in the world does this have to do with what we're talking about? That's what will happen if you go and read it. It talks about that there will be this constant attack 
from the nations surrounding Israel to take the land, to destroy the lineage, and to oppose the Lord. It is a 4,000-year thus far war on the Abrahamic covenant. And so as you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, history and the Bible tells us that Israel has been invaded and attacked over and over and over throughout their history. The existence of the nation of Israel and the sustaining of the nation of Israel, to me, is proof positive that there is a God. Because apart from supernatural explanation, these people don't have that land and they don't keep it. So what it says in Ezekiel 38, 39, as you read it, it can seem a little complicated. Let me articulate it in the simplest form. It'll name all of these nations surrounding Israel. Gog, Magog, these various nations. You just need to know that in the ancient world, um, these were the countries surrounding Israel. Imagine if uh, today we said, uh, you know, we were getting invaded by Canada and Mexico. It was like, well, I know where those are. Now, imagine in a few thousand years, there was another government in that region of Canada and another government in that region of Mexico. That's exactly what Ezekiel 38 and 30. But imagine that they were written in apocalyptic literature and it dealt with like um, end times angels and revelations in the heavens and the skies. And you're like, well, this must just mean the Canadians, a eh? like, right. You conclude <laughs> this just refers to, uh, does not have a spiritual reality beyond just a, some kind of physical struggle that we're waiting to see happen. Um, everybody, by the way, the spoiler alert, after he goes into this very long description of Gog and Magog and everything is, yeah, we don't really know, but it could be. Yep. We don't know, but it could be. And Which, you don't need to for the record, it. that is better than like Driscoll is savvy and he's learned from the guys that have gone before him. Who time you know, he's learned from Hal Lindsay and others. He like the other guys who have done this said it's gonna happen. It's the time. I can prove it, I can show you it's clear, it's obvious. And then they say, and so it's here it is, you know, 1988. 40 years after the founding of Israel, obviously that's when the rapture is going to happen and everything's going to start. And, and it didn't, we yep. were wrong. It's 1989 and it yep. didn't. And, and every time it doesn't happen. And so he's actually really savvy in that he learned from that. I think, I think he knows, I mean, I think he knows that's a bad move. Um, and so he's like, I don't know, right. I don't know if this is it. Um, now what, <laughs> what is, you know, so I, I'm glad that he says, hey, we don't know if this is really the end. We don't know if Jesus is coming back any moment. Um, and then he goes into these details of, but if this does happen, and if, you know, if Iran gets in the war right now, then that means that Russia is going to get in the war, and that means that North Korea is going to get in the war, and that's World War III, and that's the last war that will ever happen, because obviously it has to be for some reason, right? Like, And then, obviously, Jesus is coming back. So he says, I don't know, and then he's like, but... Here are very specific details of exactly what will happen if these different people get in the war. He also sets up that, like, there are 2,000 prophecies about Jesus. Uh, like, 1,500 have been fulfilled. It's very Yeah, he says something like that. Doesn't back it up. He just says it. <laughs> There's, like, 500 left that have to be fulfilled. So, you know, hard to know where we are in that. And it's like, man, what an interesting, like, I'd love to see where that count 
came from. You know, I'm yep. there's some weird source he read. Um, but no, Pastor Michael, where does this leave us? I think this sermon is is kind of him being back. But where where do you think this sermon leaves us? I think again, this is attractive to the retirement community in Scottsdale, the people who are older that are going to be more more interested in uh, a kind of form of dispensationalism that I think is probably what kind of dispensationalism we're going to get. Um, what uh, do you have any other other closing thoughts on? Yeah, it's not just. I mean, there's a end time stuff is just a part of American culture. It's not just American culture. I mean, there is there's a kind of like every generation is convinced this is it. That's not totally true. Um, but especially in times of, of particular chaos, um, times when when people feel like their their uh, world is falling apart a bit, um, there is this sense from a lot that this happens. It becomes very popular. But I think it's it is very particular the way uh, because of dispensationalism, American Christianity has taken on this constant uh, constant sense of this is it. Everything was leading to me, and this time. And what's happening right now, um, and it, and so that like that is going to draw in a lot of people. Um, it's going to like I mean, it will it will bring a lot of people. And there is something compelling about the way that Driscoll puts it forward. Even just at the end, by the way, I he actually does a pretty good job at times of just celebrating the fact that Jesus is going to return. Yes, like telling everybody, including both Israel and Palestinians who don't know Christ, except for the Christians there. He says, like the rest of you, you all, everybody needs to repent. Everybody needs to trust in Christ. Like, that's what we want. He does a pretty good job at that. He actually does a pretty good job at being more balanced, like you said, when it comes to just war theory and those sorts of things than the vast majority of people are being right now. Um, because everybody's just really, you know, again, just kind of worked up with this kind of uh, bloodlust and rage. Um, so he does a pretty good job in a lot of ways. Um, he does a lot of the things that has always been done, right? Like, you know, um, uh, look at all these things that are happening. It must be closer, at least, right, to the time that he's coming. Obviously, things are getting worse and worse. And That's so... We are a day. Cl- I know we're a day closer. Right. Yeah. And he does say, I mean, things are getting like worse and worse. Like they're bad out there and they're worse than they've been. And so that means that it's getting closer. Um, and that's a typical line. He says, you know, it says that when Jesus returns, everybody's going to see him. And that must mean like it, that could happen now because we're in the first time in history when we have the technology that that could actually take place. I have a great book, by the way. Um, It's on my, I was, I'm looking on my bookshelf, but I'm uh, I'm 99% sure that I have it at uh, my office at the church. Um, have I showed you this? It's it's 101 reasons why Jesus is coming soon. It was written maybe in the 60s. Uh, it was sure. probably in the 60s. And it's things like the invention of x-ray technology. Look, this this proves this part of prophecy and things like that. This is typical, right? Hey, this new technology means that we're we have to be closer because of this prophecy. Uh, but the reality is that like when we're told that every every eye will see, this is a statement um, not just of like just the ability to see, right? Because how many people saw Jesus in his life and right. did not know who he was? Who didn't they did not actually see him. They were actually blind according to him. They were blind, though they could physically see him, 
Um, the idea, especially in these contexts of the return of Christ, is that you won't be able to deny it anymore, right? You can't deny him at this point. Um, it's it's over. Everybody knows he is exactly who he said he is. So anyway, um, where does this leave us? Um, I, I do think you're right. Um, Driscoll is going to be back. I'm, I think he will win the war against Christianity today. Um, and that's not probably hard to do. I mean, like, it's not going to be hard for him to do. Sure. Um, and, you know, when when Christianity today falls, that's a good thing. Like, we can rejoice. <laughs> we can rejoice in that with him. Um, but I do think people, like, you, you've got to be careful. Because um, it's not just Driscoll. Now, on this podcast, we all have the history of thinking about Driscoll and the things that he says and does if you've listened to any of our other commentary and are still around, um, it probably means that you also think that like a lot of what Driscoll does is calculated. He is uh, like very obviously a narcissist and he is not a good man, right? He is not somebody that actually is preaching the text of scripture. Um, and so even though he does some good things, he does preach Christ and uh, him crucified. He does preach the gospel. We're grateful for that. Um, yet there's a lot of problems, um, a lot of problems with what he does. Uh, but you need to be careful because this is going to happen every time a major world event happens. There's going to be many preachers like this. And it may, it, it, you know, if you're a preacher, you're going to be tempted to do this, to take scripture and make it about this. And scripture does give us things that will guide us and help us at a time like this. Scripture is where you're going to find true wisdom that will help you as you're trying to understand this kind of a situation, but it is not the simplistic form that you find in this kind of a sermon. It's just not, it, this is not how it works that you can just say, look, Abraham, he had a son. That's why this is happening today. Um, it's, it's actually, the world is much more complicated. And if you want to be wise, if you want to have true wisdom and discernment, how do you get it? How do you find it? Where do you find it? Um, how do you grow in discernment? We've talked about this time and time again. You have to practice with the scriptures, right? Like you have to know them, meditate on them, use them, live by them, apply them to different situations, sit under the authority of solid, godly elders um, who can guide you in your understanding of scripture. Uh, and you don't want to just look at the world that you're in and say, this tells me everything. Um, that's not the lens that you want to use. Well, thanks, everyone. This episode was probably really long, and it probably means it came out later on Wednesday than normal. We would like to thank you for listening. I want to encourage you to join us Monday, October 30th at 8 p.m., because that is the day we will have our Reformation Day Trad Catholic extravaganza party. It'll be worth it. So we uh, look forward to seeing you there in the live chat.